and welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. But great being here. How are you? Oh, good. Hey, this is a good place. I like this. This is really good. So I was just caught up with, with Dave and, and Emma uh, just at lunchtime, which was great, and just to be able to talk about how things are tracking, where things are at, etc. But, you know, what a season. Yep, okay, you're with me on that one, obviously. We're right there, Greg. Yep, no problems. Uh, quite a season, quite a season, you have to say. And today, I've, I've, the message here is, I've just called it Reset. And I think, you know, this message in itself is uh, something specifically for this time that where we're at. And I do believe that it's not just, it's a good term, or great term, but to me, it's a heaven reset. I mean, honestly, who, who enjoyed COVID? Anybody? A few. I've seen that hand. No. I mean, hello. You know, it was an interesting season, right? It was an interesting season. And and all of that, I, I want to read a, a verse of Scripture. I'll bounce out of that, then we'll go to a story, then we'll walk through the story. But today, I guess it's reset is preparing the way and to be able to move forward, you need moments in your life to recalibrate, right? You don't recalibrate, you don't reset. When you're moving, you have to stop. An important part to be able to get the information when you're listening in the old days, which obviously is not in the new days, but in the old days, which... I mean, David was telling me about a few conversations with his sons about the old days, like about 15 years ago. I was going, is really? <laughs> I'm thinking back into the 50s, you know, <laughs> when we're talking about the old days. But, but in that moment, you, sometimes we see that the old tape recorder, which was a funny little thing that you put in and went everywhere if, it was, if the tape machine wasn't working that well. But obviously you had a, a, a play, a fast forward, a, a, a fast rewind, a stop and a pause. And pause are an important part of that because when you hear something, when you sense something, when you realise where you're at, sometimes it's good to pause to actually capture to what's going on. Pause isn't a stop, by the way. Stop means it's all over, baby. And I can assure you with the Lord, uh, COVID wasn't like, well, that's the end of that. Let's start again. He's done that once before, remember? Can you remember the stories? Yes. But he's not doing that to start over again. To me, he's resetting for a greater purpose. And this scripture, which comes out of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says there, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. And I love the word anchor here because it describes and it says something about that helps us be grounded, connected to what matters most and able to cope with the challenges and the challenging seasons that life brings to us. And that's exactly where we've been. It's a season we've been through for a reset purpose. And as, you know, Dave and I were chatting at lunch with Emma as well, we're talking about we're not going to go back to the old way. It's not like let's get through to go back. It's let's, let's go through to move forward. And my a good friend of mine who's a psychologist, been there for 40 years, at the very beginning of the pandemic, he said 
this will be an interesting season on the basis that it'll either make or break. And he was talking about relationships, that good relationships will become better. Isolation isn't a fearful place, but if it's fractured, it'll break. Because the pressure of being together adds pressure or it is a wonderful time to be capitalised on to be together. And honestly, I think in all what we've been through to understand that it has been an incredible opportunity to reset. And as that scripture says, that hope, which we know that anchor is the anchor to our soul. And we know it's Jesus, right? So today I want to bounce out of that and I guess talk through some of these, I guess, benefits because for us to reset, you know, any merchant ships of uh, in the old days, long ago, they'd have an anchor. They'd have a, they call a sea anchor. And then they also had anchors which were called drift anchors. Now the sea anchor in our life, we read it here, the strongest, the biggest, the largest thing in our life is the anchor to our soul, which is Jesus himself. Without that, you're going you're to have trouble. But an important part of that, and every merchant seaman understood, that you also needed other anchors, smaller anchors, which were called drift anchors. And the sea anchor went down in a challenging moment to pause, to hold yourself when you'd lost your way, you couldn't see your way forward when things, and the story I'm going to be talking out of comes out of Acts chapter 27 of Paul's journey to Rome. But there, the skies were dark, the storm had overwhelmed them, they couldn't see the sun for days. They'd lost where they were. Can I ask you this? And Terry, obviously, you're one of the greatest theologians and wisest men in this room. But today, like, what is a compass for? Is a compass used to give you and point you in the right direction? Yeah. But what's its primary purpose? It's there to help you identify where you are. A compass is used not just to give you a direction to where you are to go. It gives you the bearings to know where you're at. COVID was an opportunity. Where am I at? So this, I guess today's sermon to you is really about capitalising on the moment and seeing what, again, Jesus has been the centre of our life. That is the strength of what we are. We know that. But again, these drift anchors would help us, again, allow us to recalibrate and reposition ourselves to going, I'm here and that's where I need to go. Have you ever had, you know, your phone, you put your phone on, we're so reliant on it these days to know where we go. We've given up looking for, you know, in the old days, Dave, in the old days, Terry, in the old days, you looked for landmarks to give you some indication of where you were. You'd look, oh, that's that service station, that pole, that tree, that whatever it was. Now you don't look at things because we're so reliant on this because you put it on and say, that's where we're going. So you don't need to look around. Unfortunately, that's a problem because we've lost the power of using our eyes to help us and assist us seeing where we're going. We've used this and who's had this problem when Google's Maps, which works generally well most of the times, but when you hit a poor reception area and you put on, where am I? No idea. 
It has no idea where you are. That is frustrating. And then you go, I've got to find reception. You can walk off. People have got lost in the Blue Mountains. But they've lost their natural ability and skill set to go, well, I'm here. There's that mountain. I remember that peak. There's that tree. There's that. Because they've gone and taken an adventure forward without the right equipment or knowledge. And again, the greatest anchor is Christ in our life, the sea anchor. But the drift anchors are things that we apply to our life that steer us and position us to hold us on course to our true north. So every seaman would do that. And the story I want to talk about today is a story which comes out of the uh, book of Acts, chapter 27. But just quickly going back there, you know, someone said to you, what do you, Greg, what do you see COVID as? I said it was the perfect storm. You know, whoever saw that great movie, The Perfect Storm, fantastic movie. But the perfect storm, because in a perfect storm or in that situational scenario, it really gets you back on track to see where you're at, but more importantly, where your dependency lies. And when you're in a, no matter how skilled you were as a seaman, it wasn't necessarily the seaman, it was the gentleman who was the navigator on board the ship who everyone looked to, not even the captain. It needed to be that individual that, are we on target? They look for that. And again, you know, there's many stories here and I love this, that out of Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, like, um, you, are, you are the rock, you know, all the rest, and upon you I'll build my church. I think one of the important things we all need to see during this season is that the Lord has used this season to put Himself back in His rightful place. Basically say, it's not our church, it's His church. And when He is at the head of His church, He said, and I will build my church. It's not left up to us. We are partnering with Him. And as Dave and Emma and I were saying today, we are partnering with Him, but when He is firmly the sea anchor which holds us in place, reassures us when we're travelling that if we get into trouble, we can let Christ down. We won't let Him down, but we can put Him down with us in that situation which will hold us to get through that challenge. And that's where my friend said, it'll make or break. And unfortunately, even in church life, over this season, we have seen, and possibly not this church, other churches, of course, people who possibly may have broken during this season because when tested, the strength was not there. Because the depth, the, the strength or the weight of Christ in our life was not able to hold them in place. Storms will come. Storms are a great season as well. Look, Mark chapter 4, we're not going to read it out. And I'm not going to read Scripture to you. I'll give you the verse because if I do everything up here for you, you won't do anything. Same same situation, Dave, the same situation. Is if I'm food sped, food, spoon fed, I'll get a (laughs) poon sped bled, you know, Is he speaking another language? No, he's just getting his words mixed up. And that's not age. Thank you, Terry. And all of that is that we can be, cut it out, Terry. Stop interrupting my message. We can be food, you know, food can be given to us on a spoon, spoon fed. I'll get this right. We can be food. 
spoon fed, cut it out, Terry. You're really, you're, you're in there, Matilda, control him. But if, if I do that all the time, you don't, you need to go away and say, I better check that scripture out to see whether Pastor Greg, when whoever's speaking, we should go home and say, I want to check that out. I, I need to know more about it. I'd like to know more. And church should not be a place where you, you are just filled up or spoon fed. It is somewhere where you are challenged to go, I want more. I want to know more. And it, it centres us back into that building our relationship with Christ, not building a relationship on the person of Christ through the person who stands at the front. We are here to reinforce what we ourselves are taking responsibility for. Amen? Anyway, enough of that. Storms come. Jesus was in the back of the boat. He's always present, but He may appear to be sleeping. Matthew 14. Again, another story. Jesus walks on the storm. Love that. Love that one when Jesus goes out to the disciples. Read it. It says, and Jesus heading out, seeing them in their distress, is intending to walk by them. That's what it says in Scripture. I mean, they've got a problem. Why didn't He just... He needs to say, "Ah, Jesus, excuse me. Oh, yes. He's a gentleman. He won't get himself in a situation or relationship that he is not wanted in. Even though he may love all, he will be a gentleman in how he approaches the relationship and respects a person's decision. Amen. So the book of Acts 27, again, the great reset. This is uh, a great story. It starts off way back in chapter 24, goes all the way through to the very end of the book of Acts. And you might say, well, what chapter was that? Look at that up yourself. The very last um, chapter of Acts. But it's a story of Paul and it's Paul on his third journey. Paul is heading out. Um, he has been held in captivity in Caesarea. He's been in Caesarea for two years before we start to read the story of the journey of him being placed on a ship which is going to Rome. He has stood before Agrippa, the king of um, Judea at that time. Agrippa, again, who was at the, the centre of all of this Festus, Festus, <laughs> Festus, Sunday afternoon throwing me, Festus. And in all of this, Felix then comes on the scene and says, this guy's got to go to Rome because he said, I will stand before Caesar. And who was Caesar at that time? Thank you very much, Terry. In the spirit again, I feel Nero. I mean, who would want to put yourself before Nero? Anyone in their right mind would go crazy. God had a purpose. God had a plan. God is well in front of everything we're doing, but it's how we navigate the storms to get to the place God wants us to be. Here, Paul has been hunted by the Jews. They want to kill him. They want to take him back to Jerusalem because they're going to ambush him along the way, kill him, get him out the way. Same game plan with Jesus. They just go, let's get rid of these troublemakers. Again, be reassured, Jesus never leaves you nor forsakes you, irrespective of your circumstance. But we have a responsibility as much as Jesus, 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 who stands with us, we go, but I also need to take responsibility and put into action some of these um, abilities that God has given me, that Jesus is the strength during the storm, but also too, I need to action throw out some drift anchors and drift anchors so that you don't drift off course and you're facing the right direction. So in saying all of that, Paul has spent two years in Caesarea waiting to be sent off to Rome, two years. 
He's just, he's been chased by the Jews. Three years he went to Arabia. We know that, read that. But now two years he's been kept in Damascus. Wouldn't you think two years locked up on house arrest? Paul has a vision from God. A visitation from Jesus says, you're going to go to all the Gentiles. You're going to go to the, the ends of the earth. You're going to preach my word. Totally revolutionises his outlook of his religious beliefs, which before were completely anti to what now he's having and speaking and preaching on. Paul is radically changed because of this experience. Then he is hunted for three years, comes back, preaches in Caesarea. They, and they say, we've got to hold this guy. They're going to kill him. So they pull him into house arrest. And for two years, when being given a message and a call to go and preach, he's held captive. He is isolated for two years. Fascinating. If you want to follow the story, and you can look at this yourself, if you follow it right through, he gets to Rome. And when he is in Rome, he is under house arrest for a further two years. Don't you find that fascinating? Why is God putting someone's life on hold where basically you're called to do this, but now in this season, I can't do anything? What does Paul do when he is under house arrest? I see that hand, Terry. Thank you very much. Correct. When he is, before he goes to Rome, he starts writing some of the greatest parts of the New Testament. When he arrives in Rome, he's not sitting there saying, I wonder what we're going to do. Let's watch the COVID report again. Oh, gosh. It was like, get that thing off. I mean, today it's not even on the news. Yeah, which is good. But the reality is we can get so caught up in the moment of where we're at and be soul consumed, we become and have no productivity or output. Paul used his time well. He was there writing again in those two year before and after he writes pretty much the, the gospels, sorry, the, the epistles and in there pretty much were done in his times of isolation. My question to you today, how effective were you, you during COVID? Well, crumbs, I know, I suppose I got stuck before the telly. <laughs> Did church online a little bit. You know, the old pyjama, I'm online. Won't put my photo up, won't go online, I won't be visible. Some of us used it well and some of us didn't, that's the truth. And I'd have to say during that season myself, I think I could have done better. All I'm saying is when a storm comes your way or when it appears your life's been put on pause or hold, you can capitalise it and God's got something to do with it in the middle of it. Don't see he's not involved. He's involved in everything. I'll never leave you, nor shall I forsake you. I don't leave you in a storm. I'm always with you. He's in the back of the boat. He's walking on the water. Jesus loves these opportunities to show the strength of who he is. And it is there to challenge us to say, where are you at also? Incredible opportunity. So what are these anchors? Jesus is the sea anchor, the largest part, the greatest strength, the, the greatest weight in our life. But what part and what are some of these drift anchors that you're talking about here today, Pastor Greg? These are the, and I believe the anchors to our soul. And I think the very first anchor is the anchor of refocus, repurpose by bringing order back into our world. Who capitalised on this during COVID? 
that job I had been meaning to do for so many years. There was a study about this. Good time, great opportunity. I can now do this, but very little action was taken. People remembered, but didn't necessarily do. Fascinating. There was a show on TV and it was called, I loved it, Space Invaders. Anyone see that? Great one, great. It was about Peter Walsh and a team of experts coming into a person's home and literally people said, I need help. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's happening. I can't see my way forward. I can't find anything. My life's out of control. See, a great pause, a great moment to recalibrate is to look at what's in your life, what you need to repurpose and also what do I need to do to adjust and clean up my life so I can start to find my way forward again. We forget that. This show, there was this lady, I love this because this, the show that I watched, the only one I watched, but the show that I watched, this lady was a psychologist helping other people, but her life was out of control at home. You can be a Christian like that. Not in this church, I'm talking about other churches, of course, of course. But you know what I'm saying? You can say, look, you should, but look at my life. Don't look at my life. We can say this, but our life and our words need to match up. They need to align. This is a great reset to realign our word with our life. Anyway, Peter Walsh goes in there, looks in this and this, this woman, eight, eight children. What was she thinking? No idea, but eight children and a husband. And, and in this scenario, she said, she said this, I'll read it out because I found this was the great part. She had eight children and she, she said, I had drifted, I love that, I had drifted into clutter, then couldn't see clearly my purpose and no longer could see the future because of the mess I lived in. This is a professional woman who would then go out during the day and guide other people. But to me, sometimes we have to use the moment and we're capitalising on this moment to refocus, repurpose, reorder our world. What's really important in my life? Peter Walsh goes in and it was amazing. It's in these shows that we're on, people have so much. They had to keep buying because they couldn't find. They knew they had somewhere, but they couldn't find it. So they went out and bought more. And buying more of things that you already have just increases the mess. So they get all the, all the clothes and all the kids, all the families, got, they got tables like in this, and it was filled with clothes, filled with clothes. Couldn't find a school shoe, gone missing. Now that's traumatic in itself, isn't it? Especially when you're, not when you're on holidays, but when you go back to school. Where's that shoe? Everybody in the house knows there's one shoe missing and everybody look for it. But if we just had some order, the shoes belong on the feet and there they are in the cupboard below the bed. But in this house, nothing. This one, one of the children had four pairs of school shoes bought in the last 12 months because she kept on losing one of the shoes. It was a great show, phenomenal. But when they cleaned out, this is the beauty, when they cleaned it all out, came back, they found 
course, the same old problem is that they had gone and bought the same shirt or pair of pants a number of times as well. Why? Because they couldn't find the original. Can I tell you today, sometimes we lose the original plan for our life that we don't see the future because there's so much clutter now. We've got so much, we don't know where to go. And as she said, I couldn't see my way forward. My challenge to you today is that what we've been through doesn't mean how successful we were, but this day could be a great opportunity to say, you know what, irrespective of what has happened, what I could have done, what I should have done, which I may have done or may not have done, is why don't today I stop and go, you know what, I'm going to work out where I'm at. I'm going to actually hold myself to recalibrate, to move forward and get back on track. Maybe in our relationship up with our Lord. It may be in our, in our own families. Maybe we need to stop for a moment and see the value of one another in our families again. Because when there's so much clutter, you lose sight of the value of each other. And you can do that in life because we can't see the way forward. So my first challenge to you today is simply in the reset is possibly look at where you're really at. And again, what's important to my life. The second anchor, which was thrown out, not thrown out literally, but thrown overboard to help them secure their way forward, was the anchor of wise counsel. Verse 21 says there, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. You see, when they left Caesarea and went through to Crete, then on to Rome, it was great sailing. You can start out, who starts out in a storm, anybody? Who goes sailing? Oh, there's a huge storm coming. Let's get the boat out and go sailing. No one goes sailing in a time. They're looking for the best conditions. We start out. You're starting our journey in life when things are going good. But it will not always be good. Who's learned that lesson in life? Terry, obviously you. Anyway, moving right along. Everyone's saying, why Terry? I've known him so long. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Almost as long as the Messiah. Anyway, coming right back. Thank you very much there, Terrence. You're going to love me at the end. See, giving you a great opportunity to show grace and forgiveness all in one. You should have taken my advice before we left Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and this loss. Incredible. Proverbs 12 verse 15 says this. The way of fools seems right to them, but wise, wise counsel given and they, are list, they listen to, to the advice of those that give. Proverbs 19, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Again, there's so much reference in the Bible which says counsel from others is helpful. An anchor to our soul, one obviously is bringing order, stopping, reordering and saying, reprioritise and this is what's important in my life. Start to focus on those areas. The next thing is there is to go, maybe I need some advice alongside me to help me. I had this young guy in our church years ago and great young guy and I had planned, he, him and his wife and young family, I had him planned to be one of our pastors at, at Oxford Falls. And as we were there, I remember him coming and said, Greg, can I see you? And I said, yeah, man, love to see you. So he popped up and he said, look, uh, are you okay? Like, you know, just checking out, just asking you, we, we sort of felt in God maybe to be heading up north, going here to 
help this church up there and feel very much a part of it. What's your thoughts on it? And I said, oh, great. I thought, because oh, I had in my head, he, I'd love him to be one of our staff pastors. And um, I said, that's great. I said, well, look, not a problem. I have no problem with that. I didn't say anything about what I was thinking. I thought, let's just pray about it. I said, let's pray about it. But he said, oh, no, no. no. Like, I'd love to, we'll pray about it. But no, can you do it now? Could you, could you pray for us? And I go, well, I will over the next couple of weeks and we'll come back and we'll reassess. He said, you don't understand. And then he pointed out and I looked out the window. There was his car. There was the trailer filled, the kids and family packed, ready to go. He was looking for the blessing. He was, he was doing it right. But the unfortunate part, he didn't ask early enough. And then he wants me to bless in his decision. Basically, he's going through the right religious process, but he had done it out of the correctness of the right way to be prayerfully in that place. Wise counsel, wise counsel. Paul says here, don't remember guys, back in Crete, I said, hey, maybe, maybe just chill a bit longer. No, no, we know better. We've got experience on the sea. You do not have that, Paul. You're a Pharisee, you don't have that. No, 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 I think you should. No, no, we're doing because we have the experience. Our experience sometimes can speak louder, important part in our decision-making. But let me tell you, the anchor of wise counsel is something which is overlooked far too often in church life, far too often in life. Why? Because I'm always right. My wife always says this, that great joke. When she used to pray, she said, Jesus said, hey, Lord, I'd please just, Lord, bring the right man to me. Lord, I just pray that you give me the right man in my life. She was a prayerful woman, godly woman. And she said, I did. And I said, why is that? She said, because I didn't know your surname was right and your first name was always. <laughs> Sorry, you just got to stay with me on that one. Because sometimes in a relationship, one person likes to become the more dominant voice. Where I think in a relationship, it's a collective opportunity for decision making to be improved in every relationship. Not that it's always or my way, the high way or the no way. It's a collective opportunity to do that. And in every opportunity, in every opportunity that is given to every single one of us here today, I believe that we need wise counsel. Again, and people say, oh, I'm talking about pastors, but I'm saying there's wise people around our life in this church, like Terry and Matilda, phenomenal wise wisdom there for years. Dave and Emma, of course, no question about that. But there's people in this church who have been, who've got great experience but are godly people. And sometimes we cut out the godly counsel and look for the skill set counsel only, as was the story with Paul. Moving right along, stay with me. Then the next anchor which comes along is the anchor of Revelation, verse 23 and 24. It says, Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has gracious, graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, there's so much truth and I'd love you to read these verses and this story 
because there is so much depth in it about how to approach storms in our life and challenges. But in this point here on the anchor, the anchor revelation is that Paul, I love how he says this. He says, because I'm a God seeker, God has graciously spared the lives around you. Do you know one person in a household which may be against God can be the very saving grace of protection for that household? We forget that. You're in or you're out. We have that mindset. But the power of one. I stand here today because I'm a product of my sister praying for me for 14 years. She went grey early, but prayed for me for 14 years believing God. And she, I could have been killed several times in my life. I had an interesting life, which some of you know and some of you don't, but I had an interesting life. But in those seasons, the Lord said to me many years later, you stand here today because of the prayers of your sister. Not because I've called you, Greg. No, no. I stood there because she prayed. Paul stood there and confidently said, you will be saved and not one of you will be lost. Not one hair upon your head will be lost. You're in a good place, Ed Terrence, let me tell you. I love him. The reality is that here the Lord understands where we're at, but to Paul, he says, for all those who are travelling with you, I shall spare their life as well. Don't stop praying and believing for people who seem to be so resistant in your own families because the grace of God and the revelation of the Lord will come to them one day that was through the prayers, your prayers, that you prayed for their life, which has given them their future and their, their life and length of life as well. Incredible. The point I want to draw from this, the anchor of the soul in here is simply this. God gave Paul a word. Paul goes and says, not one of you will be lost. You'll all be saved. You'll all be okay. We'll all get out of this. And I'm not going to pass, irrespective of my circumstances, because I have to stand before Caesar. And I believe what God has said, that He said, you will and you shall. So he confidently says this before all of these people to say, you'll be spared because God will spare you and I will be there because I need to stand before Caesar himself. Incredible. My question to you today, my challenge to you today, you see, I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to give you some homework to finish today to go home and say, let me check that out. Let me see, where am I on that part? What about this one? What is Scripture do you go to? What's your go-to Scripture in your storm? Irrespective of the storm. Irrespective of the storm. Oh, the Word of God. God bless you. I used to have a very large Bible, which I used to hold the door open. It was that big. And I didn't use it to read it. I used it to prevent the door from slamming. The Word of God, unless it is in you, doesn't have the power to basically hold open, to resist or strengthen you and to give you the weight you need to move on. What's the Word of God? My Scripture, I've had it from the, pretty much the, the day I, I gave my life to Christ, comes on Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Now, if you don't have one, you can borrow this for a short period of time. It says this, Being confident of this, the good work the Lord started in you, He shall bring it to completion. 
That means in my ups and downs of life, He will bring it to completion. God hasn't given up on Greg French, irrespective of my season, my journey, my challenge, where I may give up on myself. He never gives me up. Why? Because I go back to that Scripture and go, you know what? I'm standing on that Scripture. If He hasn't given up on me, why should I give up on me? And I'm going to be confident in His Word. My question to you today is simply, what's your Word? What's your anchor of revelation for your life? Moving along very quickly, we'll have this wrapped in just a moment. The fourth anchor is the anchor of thankfulness. Verse 34 to 36. Paul says this, Now I urge you to take some food. You need, you need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. There it is, Terence. After he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and gave it to them to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. There's so much in that. But the point is simply this. Paul broke bread, had that moment to give thanks to God. What is the culture that church has created Christianity has created, our society has created. Give thanks when good things happen. Correct? Am I wrong on that? No, I'm not. In church and in the world, people give thanks in the good times. But when it's a challenging time, do you give thanks? And you can see simply, and the word there is that the revelation that you need from that Scripture in the revelation of bringing thankfulness is simply not just when something good happens. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's celebrate. But give thanks to God when some tragic and challenging times. We don't know. But again, by illustration of the Word of God and many stories, it was they still gave thanks. Paul understood that principle. Irrespective of the storm you're in, give thanks to God. Not God, get me out of here. I don't understand. But Jesus, I still thank you for being you, even though I don't understand this season that I'm in. That anchor held him as much on course as did Revelation, as wise counsel. Again, simply because he chose to give thanks in the challenge. Tom, my question to you, how about you? Have you learned to give thanks irrespective of the season that you're in, in this life. Final point. The fifth anchor comes out of verse 31. And it says this. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. If these men and the centurion read the story, He hears these words. He sees men who were pretending to go and throw anchors over. Read the story, great story. Throw anchors, but what they were doing, they were lowering the lifeboat to escape. The centurion, not a Christian, had made wise decision to listen to Paul. Not because he was a believer, because this man is making sense and I don't know why. Guess what? When Christ is on the inside of you, your words to other people will not make sense, but there's something in this conversation they can't get, they don't understand, but there's something in it that they listen. And it wasn't the centurion had a debate. 
that says, and he cut the ropes. No discussion. He just believed enough in what was happening. And here, can I tell you sometimes, don't take this the wrong way, Dave. Sorry, Terence, you're not involved in this one. But if God has to use a donkey to speak to a man, that's a sad day. Sorry, Dave, you know, but I know we go back. We have a lot of history together, so we go back a long way. But isn't that sad that God, the voice was lost somewhere in there, that no longer because of his religious position, we know he was away from God, but his religious position was holding him to being deaf that God has to use a mule to talk to him. That is tragic. My point is this. Unfortunately, we've lost sight of the voice and the power of the voice, pardon me, within the church. It's a great afternoon. It's all happening today. (laughs) But the power of the voice is something that lives within the church, not within the individual of one. You've got great pastors. Dave and M, solid people, solid Great pastors. This church will will continue to grow. It will be and has been slow, but it will grow. It will not decline. It will grow. Point one. My final point in that point (laughs) is this. Follow me. Stay with me. This is my final point. Is simply the ship was a representation of being the community of God, which was the house of God. The importance and the value is, even in tough times, don't abandon the ship. Don't abandon the community. And it's not the building, we know that, but it's the community of gathering. I'm going to watch it online and just stay online and watch online. You'll be okay for a season, but it will not sustain you because we need each other and we need this thing called touch and togetherness the community and the church and the power of the church and its voice is reliant upon us being a voice, one voice. And I'm not talking about who's getting in, in and out of politics, whether you're vaccinated or not, that's irrelevant. You might say, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Because it's a part of the equation of the great reset for what God has for His church. And when He resets, when He pauses, He has something greater to come. And every single one of you are to believe that again, for here, this great church, this great leadership team, this great group of men and women who gathered, who are here today and those who may be away, you gather on the purpose of what? Seeing that there is a future and you have a purpose and you will stand, not before Nero, thank you very much. You will stand in a position where your voice will be heard and you'll also find your voice and your future in that place. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes? You might be saying, oh, there were so many anchors in that, Craig. Yeah, there was. But the greatest anchor, of course, as I said, the greatest weight in our life is not actions or principles which come from the Word of God. It's really that action of that relationship that we have with Jesus Himself. Leaning upon having that great hope, an anchor to our soul is Jesus Himself. And today this isn't, I guess when praying just before I came here, just we had lunch together, had a great time, great chat about the church, felt to go away and pray. And I honestly felt this reset was basically a reset not for 
just look what can be in the future. But it was a personal reset for every single one of us. And that reset starts by having the greatest hope of all, which is Jesus himself in our life. And I'm not going to ask whether you know Jesus or not. I would think that most people in this room probably do. But I want to ask you today for every single one of us to pray this prayer that I will be praying myself as well. Is to reset that relationship that I have with Jesus. That He is the anchor to my soul, my life, my family, my future, our future. He is the great weight of decision. He is the revelation of the way forward. He is the wise counsel. He is the one who simply wants a relationship of thankfulness from us. So in closing here, and I could pray for people. I could give you a word. I could, but honestly, it's not for me to give you a word. It's for you to redefine your purpose for your future. But Pastor Greg, if you could just give me a word, maybe, sure, I could. But I'd love you to reset for you to ask the Lord and then to apply your faith to believe and to start moving towards that as a follower of Christ, as a family. But for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord as a community, as a church. Be strengthened to one another. Why? Because we are one with Christ. So my word to you all is simply a word in which I'd love you to repeat these words after me. It's a prayer that I am praying as much as you will be praying. Is resetting my heart in every area that I am one with Him. I'd love you all to repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart today. I give you my life today so that I am one with you. Forgive me for my sins. Set me free from my past. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life because I am saved and whole and one with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.